What's up, divers? Welcome into the Deep Dive Fantasy Football Podcast, where I take a deep analytical look at fantasy football and combine it with a common sense approach to lead us to some titles. I'm your host, Brandon Gabor, and before we get started, remember you can follow me on my main platform being Twitter at Deep Dive FF, Instagram at Deep Dive Fantasy Football, YouTube at Deep Dive Fantasy Football, even TikTok at Deep Dive FF. And as always, check out the website, deepdivefantasyfootball.com. With that being said, let's get into the content. What's up, divers? Welcome into another episode of Deep Dive Fantasy Football. It has been a while. I know. I know. Apologies. It's been a while. But at time of releasing, it's Wednesday morning, which means tomorrow is the NFL Draft. The first round is tomorrow, baby. Super excited. So, what does that mean? That means we got to go over my final predictive 2022 NFL mock draft. We're doing the first round. And I put a lot of research into this. So, and this is not like research into the players. This is a lot of research into the teams and who they've had who they've been visiting what position groups they have been visiting the most or or had the most visits for, what draft trends have we seen from teams, stuff like that from general managers, from coaches, to try to be as accurate as possible. That's the goal, ultimately, right? So before I get into it, let's start with the foundation. And the foundation is this. We got to get eight right. That's the goal, 25%. If we get eight player team matches correct, then we are smooth sailing. Because if you look at Charles Clay, Daniel Jeremiah, all these guys, if you look at all their Peter Schrager, all their mock drafts, right? Usually they're getting between six and eight player team matches correct. I want to put myself up there with them, but I want to be at the tops. I want to be at the tops, top 10%. So I'm trying to shoot for eight player team matches. I believe last year I got eight exactly. I think the year before that I got seven. So let's see if I can go one notch higher, maybe get nine. We're going to do our best here. Um, I usually do include trades, but for this draft, it's super tricky because it's just going to be how do these teams value these quarterbacks and who's going to trade and when. And it's just a little tricky. So I actually don't have any trades in this in this mock draft. And I was not planning for that to be the case. Just while I was doing the mock draft and doing my research, I was just, I was having trouble. Now I will mention a couple places where I think there may be a trade go down, but I don't have any trades in this mock draft. So let's get into it. Remember, we're going to shoot for eight. That's the perfect accuracy mark that would put us in the top 10%. I encourage you when you do, because I'm sure most of you guys do one for fun as well. Do like a a mock draft yourself. If you ever do a predictive one and not like a what you would do, but what you think is going to happen, count. It's fun. Count. We can maybe I'm thinking next year maybe doing a competition with all the listeners and we can all submit our predictive mock draft and whoever has the most player team matches correctly in the first round wins some type of prize or something. So, I think that would be fun. But let's get into it. First overall and it's it's a little tricky. It's a little tricky because it's the Jaguars, and we don't know exactly what the Jaguars are going to be doing. So Daniel Jeremiah 
and Adam Schefter both reported that Aiden Hutchinson might be losing some steam among the Jaguars. And apparently, Doug Peterson, his favorite for number one is Aquonu, the offensive lineman, and Trambalki's favorite for number one is Trayvon Walker. So neither of them have Aiden Hutchinson as their preferred target at number one, and those are the two biggest decision makers in the building. So, except for except for the owner. The owner may be leaning Aiden Hutchinson, just because he's a little safer, but you've got three people putting their opinions in on three different guys. I think the GM probably wins out at the end, so I think that they're going to end up with Trayvon Walker. So at number one overall, I got the Jacksonville Jaguars selecting Edge Trayvon Walker, the freak who put up crazy physical numbers. That's who I got them going with. Now at number two, this is an easy one. If Aiden Hutchinson is not not number one, he's going to be number two to the Detroit Lions. They're getting their blue chip locker room leader. And not just that, but it's an easy pick. It's a dream scenario. It is the dream scenario for them, for them to just be able to have him fall right in their laps. So Lions, 100% Aiden Hutchinson at two if he's there. Now the Texans, this is a turning point in the draft for me. There's a couple ways the Texans could go. They might go with Kayvon Thibodeau. They might go with Ahmad Gardner. Or they might go with the offensive linemen, whether they go Evan Neal or Ikem Kwonu, whatever the case may be. There's a lot of directions they might go here. And it's, for me, going to come down to who they've had the most visits with and what positions are held in higher regard out of those people. So they have had two visits with Kayvon Thibodeau and Ahmad Gardner. They have not done that with any of the offensive linemen. And among those two, edge defenders usually held in a higher regard and of more importance. So I think that the Texans are going to grab Kayvon Thibodeau, and that would start to draft out with three edge defenders. And then at number four, the Jets have to make a similar decision that the Texans had to make. Now, I think if Kayvon is there for the Jets at four, I think they're going to go. Apparently, they love him. They, he had a great interview with them. They've met with him multiple times. But if he's not there, and in this case, he is not, they have had seven cornerback visits and seven wide receiver visits the Jets they have only had two offensive tackle visits that's concerning to me because if I was them I would grab a Kwonu I would place him across from Makai Becton and you've got two sick tackles assuming Becton can stay healthy you've got two sick tackles to protect your your quarterback for a very long time but Clearly, they are very locked in on cornerback and wide receiver this year, and there is a cornerback who has not allowed a touchdown in three seasons, and that's Ahmad Gardner, so I have them taking him, and they have also had visits with him twice. So Ahmad Gardner for the Jets at four. So that's three edge defenders and then a corner. And finally, the first offensive tackle goes off the board to the Giants, Ikemokwonu. This has to be the best scenario for the Giants. Because they need to boost their offensive line. It's their number one need. Now, they might swing. They might take a swing at Malik Willis. But I think that would be a huge mistake. A huge mistake. 
Don't reach again on a quarterback like you did with Daniel Jones. Don't do it again. Just build up the team. Be in the market for a quarterback next year when you've got a nice quarterback class coming out. And just go that route. So I have the Giants, and I think they will do that. I have them getting a Kem Aquonum. Now, at six, the Panthers, they are one of the teams, actually the second highest team in terms of quarterback visits. They have hosted six quarterbacks. The Steelers are the only team who have hosted more at seven. So the Panthers are clearly in on this quarterback class, or at least trying to figure out who they want if they want anyone. Matt Rule is on the hot seat. He knows a quarterback is his only chance to extend his timer. If he wants to extend it, that is, because he was making mad money at Baylor. He was making a lot of money at Baylor. So if he is you know, wanting to stay in the NFL and he's like, not thinking about going back to Baylor, because a lot of college coaches do come to the NFL and then they end up liking college better and they just want to go back. If that's not the case, if he does want to stay, he knows he's on the hot seat. If he doesn't take a quarterback in this class, he knows his team is going to struggle. It's not going to be great next year with the quarterbacks they have in the room right now. And they're out on Baker Mayfield, and I don't know what's going on with Jimmy Garoppolo, so it's hard to see them really having a quarterback if they pass on quarterbacks in this draft. So they're going to have a bad season, and Rule will probably be gone after that. So he knows he's got to take a quarterback, because if that quarterback shows flashes, then he's going to be able to say, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm here. I'm trying to develop this quarterback. We've got weapons. We've got DJ Moore. We've got Christian McCaffrey. We've got Robbie Anderson. We've got some younger guys that might develop into something. Tommy Tremble, Terrace Marshall. We've got some really good young defensive pieces. Let me, let me, you know, stay and continue to build this team up, build up this program like what I did at Baylor over a long period of time, build up the program. But he needs to take a quarterback for that opportunity. So I have Malik Willis going at six to the Panthers. Now at seven, the Giants are back up after they just took a Kamakuanu. They held... Ahmad Gardner and Derek Stingley both for two visits each. They seem very focused on getting a true cornerback one. I think they might trade back here at seven because if somebody wants to jump Atlanta at eight or Seattle at nine for a quarterback, because it's possible that Atlanta or Seattle, it's possible that they might be grabbing a quarterback at eight or nine. Then the Giants are a prime trade back spot for a team maybe like the Steelers if the Steelers want to come up and get somebody or Washington if they want to go up a little bit another team that might want to hop up would be the Saints maybe the Saints want to hop up and grab a quarterback they've got two picks at 19 and 16 but I don't have that happening because it's hard for me to figure out with Malik Willis off the board who's which quarterback is a team going to come up to grab it's hard to figure out which teams like which quarterbacks right now. So, and we're not really going to know until draft day. Even even the Steelers, and we'll we'll talk about this in a little bit probably, but even the Steelers, a lot of people are like, "Oh man, Malik Willis lock as the QB1 on the Steelers board." We don't really know that that's true. They have held all almost all the quarterbacks in this class twice each. They clearly do not have their mind made up. They're clearly very open to multiple scenarios. Maybe Malik Willis isn't the number one quarterback on their board. He pro- he shouldn't be, in my opinion. He's not the number one quarterback in this class. 
excuse me. So I just have the Giants staying put and taking cornerback Derek Stingley, trying to get that true cornerback one since they're not able to find a trade back partner. And then at eight, the Falcons, they look at their offense and they just gross. Like it's hard to look at this offense. Kyle Pitts is the only offensive weapon. Sure, CPAT, Corderell, Patterson, he he can be considered a weapon, but he's not a true threat. Like, like, oh man, we better watch out for him. It's not like that for, for Patterson. And he's also a rental. He's older. They don't have him signed for long. Obviously, he's not a young guy. And he's been in and out, or not in and out, but from team to team to team to team bounced around for a reason. They need something there. And I think speed and route running pairs very nicely with Kyle Pitts, and it will open up the middle for Kyle Pitts. And the player to do that for the Falcons would be Jamison Williams. So I have them drafting him at 8. Now the Seahawks at 9. I don't feel good about this pick at all because it's the Seahawks. And the Seahawks are one of the most frustrating drafting teams that you will ever see. I have them taking offensive tackle Evan Neal. Now, it would be a great pick for them, which is why I don't feel good about this pick, because Seattle never makes good picks in the first round, at least over the last like five years. Seattle needs offensive line help extremely. It is one of the poorest positions on their team, if not the poorest, and for some reason, they always neglect their offensive line. This is why I'm not very confident in it, because they have always had offensive line issues, and they've always neglected to address them. Not only that, but the Seahawks also always reach in the first round for somebody with like a third or fourth round grade. Every time over the last like five years, every time Seattle has made their first round pick, people are like, oh, oh, you could have got him in the second round. You could have got him in the third round. Like, why are you reaching? I get, you know, grab your guys. I get that. But grab your guys in an appropriate round where you could have gotten them stop stop reaching like it's ridiculous like Seattle at nine if and if they grab a quarterback that's also a reach by the way because this quarterback class we know is not there's nobody worthy to be taken at nine overall at least with how they're everybody's graded right now and how pretty much consensus views all these quarterbacks much less you know with Malik Willis off the board who a lot of people have as their quarterback one not me but a lot of people have as their quarterback one with him off the board. It's even, you know, it's even worse taking a quarterback at nine. So Seattle to me is probably going to take a player that is being mocked in the third round right now. That's probably who Seattle is going to take at nine. Maybe it won't be that dramatic because usually they're like at the back of the first round and they're taking guys that are valued as third round players. So maybe at nine, they'll take somebody that's being mocked at like 30 or like 40 right now. But that's still a huge difference. So just don't be surprised when Seattle just throws off everybody's mock drafts and just like blows up everything. But right now I have them taking Evan Neal because I can't see him lasting much longer than nine. And they do need O-line help. So maybe they'll finally make a good pick. Now at number 10, this is one of the most difficult decisions for me. One of the hardest spots to mock for the Jets. Because one, so remember, we had them take at four, we had them take Ahmad Gardner. So one option is offensive tackle. The Jets have a huge need at the offensive tackle spot across from Mekhi Becton. If they want to have that strong run game mentality like 
San Francisco, this is the pick. It would be it would be an offensive tackle. And Charles Cross is on the board right now. And Charles Cross was recruited for a run-heavy scheme, but then the scheme was changed, and he had to adapt. So because of that, he's a better run blocker than people may realize because that's initially what he was recruited to do. And then he was not able to showcase that as much as he should have been able to. So Charles Cross across from Makai Becton, that would be very nice. Set things up for Zach Wilson. Set up a nice run game. Set up a nice protection. And if they add a second running back back there with Michael Carter, that would be really nice. Like That's just a mentality that makes sense to me if the Jets want to operate like San Francisco. So they could go offensive tackle. They might also go wide receiver. They've had seven visits for the wide receiver position. That's a lot. And they've had two visits with Traylon Burks. Now, a lot of people like to say Traylon Burks is somewhat similar to Debo Samuel. Well, Debo Samuel played for San Fran, or plays for San Fran, at least plays right now. We'll see what happens with that situation. But if you're comparing Burks to Debo Samuel, well, we know the Jets have a lot of staff from San Fran. So maybe that's something to look into. Burks could round out that wide receiver room for them. And they could also lean to Drake London or one of the Ohio State guys. That's possible as well. So you've got wide receiver as an option. Then you've got defensive end as an option. It's a need for them. There's some guys worth taking here at 10. They could take Jermaine Johnson. They could take George Karloftis. Or they could take a safety. Kyle Hamilton is a great value here. If it wasn't for the combine, he probably would be gone already. And they could definitely use him. So it's by far the hardest spot for me. But I'm going to go with Traylon Burks. Because one, the Debo comp, it fits with the San Fran connection. Two, they do need another wide receiver. Three, we haven't seen this mocked much at all. Like, I'm I'm pretty, pretty sure I've never seen Traylon Burks mocked to the Jets. Like, ever. Now... You guys may have have seen it. I mean, there's so many mocks out there that many of us have seen mocks that other people haven't. So maybe you've seen that. I haven't. I always, it's always Drake London. Like every time I see a wide receiver mock to the Jets, it's always Drake London. A couple times it's been Jamison Williams, a couple times Garrett Wilson, but it's almost always Drake London. And so I think they might actually surprise people and take Draylon Burks. And that's what I have them doing. Now at 11, We've got Kyle Hamilton going to the Commanders. He's too much of a value at this point. Washington needs a playmaking safety that can move around. That's a perfect fit. Then the Vikings. I have them taking at 12, Garrett Wilson. Adam Thielen is at his end. The division is very much up for grabs. Dalvin Cook is aging, so they may need more passing threats, and the passing attack may may need to be more potent when the running attack eventually goes down with Dalvin Cook's age. Garrett Wilson... And Justin Jefferson running routes together? Hoo-wee! Hoo-wee! You serious? Garrett Wilson and Justin Jefferson? Beautiful. Beautiful. I love it. Love it. At 13, the slide for offensive tackle Charles Cross, who has been mocked in the top 10 for a very long time for most people. I ha- And I always had him going in the top 10, but... Now, with a lot of the research that I was doing, I'm like, man, he might actually slip. So I have him slipping to 13, to the Texans. The Texans already grabbed a defensive end earlier. They cannot pass up this extreme value. Protect Davis Mills. Protect whatever running back you get later. And 
Give the dude a chance. Give Davis Mills a chance. Give him some protection. See if he could actually be your future franchise quarterback. At 14, I have the Ravens selecting a defensive lineman because they need an interior defensive lineman. They've met with defensive linemen among the most visits among positions for them. And they've also met with Jordan Davis. And that's who I have them taking here at 14. The other thought here, if it's not Jordan Davis, for me would be a cornerback. Now at 15, the Eagles are up. They've had multiple meetings with the player that I have them selecting. So not just one. But their needs are defensive line, corner, and wide receiver. Now, I'm filling their edge here with George Karloftis. With a couple good corners on the board, they're likely to get one to fall to them at 18, or they will get Drake London. If they pass on Karloftis, he's not going to be there. I think the Saints would take him. So they're going to take him first, and then they're going to have a selection of either Drake London or one of the corners that fall to them. The Saints then take a quarterback. I think initially I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, okay, this is between Kenny Pickett, Drake London, and Andrew Booth, the corner. It's hard to see them passing up on Kenny Pickett. How many chances are we going to give Jameis? Let's be realistic. And they also did not pay him much money, so they clearly don't believe in him. I think that they're probably, if they have the chance, going to grab a quarterback here. So I have them taking Kenny Pickett at 16. And we'll be right back. All right. At 17, the Chargers are up. There is a great player available that fits a great need for the team. They might look wide receiver because Mike Williams, he's had some injury history, and we're not sure how long he's going to stay with the Chargers. And then we've got Keenan Allen, who is getting up there in age. He's going to be falling off soon. And you've got an amazing quarterback Young and upcoming, you might want to give them a weapon. I think they probably do look to wide receiver, but I don't think they do it here because there's a lot of interesting wide receivers later in the draft to think that's where they're going to look. And so I have them taking Devontae Wyatt, interior defensive lineman. Now, the Eagles are at 18. The corners and the, and the wide receiver all are still there. Great situation for the Eagles. They get to choose whoever they want. And I have them taking the big-bodied, wide-catch-radius guy for Jalen Hurts help evaluate him to see if he is your future. He's also a very good combo wide receiver to Devonta Smith. Drake London is the pick here at 18 for the Eagles. Devonta Smith gives you your speed, your route running, your finesse. Drake London gives you your physicality, your red zone prowess, your 50-50 ball. He's just he's your physical guy and Devonta Smith is your Finesse guy, and it's a perfect combo. You know you could pick your poison depending on what you're trying to do on any given play and what the corner matchups look like. Then at 19, the Saints are very happy the Eagles left this guy on the board. Andrew Booth, corner. They need another cornerback. They've done a lot of work on the cornerback position this year, and he's a good value. He's definitely a good value here at 19, so they scoop him up. Now the Steelers are sitting here. Malik Willis is gone. Kenny Pickett's gone. They obviously need a quarterback. Apparently, the quarterback I have them taking, apparently this quarterback impressed the key decision makers in Pittsburgh during pre-draft meetings, including the owners. This quarterback provides mobility. He can be dynamic. I see 
all of the quarterback selections as reaches, no matter who they take at 20. I think all of them are a reach, but we know that's how it is. And for me, if I was them, I would probably take Matt Coral. But the person that has impressed the key decision makers in Pittsburgh during pre-draft meetings, including the owners, is Desmond Ritter. So I have them taking Desmond Ritter here at 20. Then the Patriots. I have them taking a linebacker, Nicobe Dean. And for me, it was between Nicobe Dean, Trent McDuffie, and John Mechie. For me, the Alabama connection and meeting twice with John Mechie could mean that they take him higher than we expect him to go. Obviously, he's played with Mac Jones. Mac Jones probably likes the guy. Mac Jones is probably vouching for the guy. Mac Jones wants some wide receivers because the wide receiver room in New England is not looking good. However, I think Nicobe Dean is more appropriate here, or Trent McDuffie. John Mechie's probably someone that they're going to be looking at in the second round, maybe the third if they want to risk it. Now, at 22, we've got the Packers. Obviously, the Packers need a wide receiver. We've been saying this for years. They're finally going to take one, either at 22 or what's their next pick? It's like late 20s, 28. So either at 22 or 28, the Packers will be taking a wide receiver. I have them doing it here at 22. This is why. 23 is the Cardinals. Cardinals could very easily take a uh, wide receiver. 24 is the Cowboys. They just lost Amari Cooper. They might take a wide receiver. 25 is the Bills. They could definitely take a wide receiver. 26 is the Titans. They could definitely take a wide receiver. So all those people are before the second pick for the Packers. So they they need to address the wide receiver position first before anything else. If they, they, they might address it twice. I don't think so. But... I have them taking Chris Olave. The backers need a wide receiver. Olave is a superb wide receiver and a refined wide receiver. Now, we know Aaron Rodgers does not usually find chemistry with rookie wide receivers, but Olave is up there in terms of which possible rookie wide receivers could get early chemistry with Aaron Rodgers. Now, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it is a weapon that Aaron Rodgers needs. Now, at 23, we have the Cardinals. They need edge pretty badly. Chandler Jones is out the door. J.J. Watt will be out the door eventually. And you've got a good value here in Jermaine Johnson. He should not be there at 23, but he is, so they're going to take him. Now, the Cowboys, their offensive line has been ravaged. Absolutely ravaged this offseason. And they need help big time on the offensive line. So they're going to grab Zion Johnson. Now, the Bills, a lot of people are going to be saying, Oh, okay, Maka... Brees Hall, everybody does it, right? Everybody, Brees Hall, 25 Bills. Oh, Bills, 25? Oh, Brees Hall. Oh, 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 you're picking for the Bills at 25. Oh, um, yeah, probably Brees Hall. No, not gonna happen. Trent McDuffie, corner. McDuffie falls in their lap. Now they have another piece to help cover Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. that combo as well as whatever wide receivers the Jets and Patriots likely add in this draft. I'm staying away from the Brees Hall consensus. I think running backs slide in this draft. Also, if you want to take like a, a skill position player to bolster that offense because you feel super confident in your team, don't take a running back. Take a wide receiver. Take a wide receiver. That would be a better play for the Bills because Stephon Diggs is he's not like a super young guy. And then, yes, Gabriel Davis is looking good, but... What else you got? What else you got? Like, you've got some, you know, rent rental players, some veteran players there in that room, like a Jamison Crowder, 
for example, but you need some other explosive youth guys in that room. And I would go wide receiver before I would go running back. I would take, I think Traylon Burks would be super interesting if he's there for the Bills, but he's already off the board. Now, at 26, I have the Titans taking a wide receiver, and that's Jahan Dotson. The Titans need another threat, and an older Robert Woods coming off of an injury is not the answer. The Titans get lucky, very lucky, that Jahan Dotson makes it to them here. Because he very well might not. He might get taken right before them at the Bills. Or maybe the Cowboys will take him. Or maybe the Cardinals will take him. Maybe the Packers will take him. Maybe the Patriots will take him. All those guys could use wide receivers. But... He falls to the Titans. The Titans love it. They scoop him up. Now at the Bucks pick, and you guys know I'm a Bucks a Bucks fan. This is actually interesting. I never would have imagined that this player would be there for the Bucks, and I don't think I've ever seen this player get mocked to the Bucks. It's Trevor Penning, offensive tackle. Here's the thing: offensive tackle Donovan Smith has had slow feet far too many times for the Bucks. He is too slow to be out there on the edge. He gets beat way too often. And you know what? While offensive tackle might not be as large of a need as a guard because we lost Ali Smith, Ali Marpet, Ali Smith, Ali Marpet, we can push Donovan Smith into the guard spot with his large body and slow feet, and then put Trevor Penning at offensive tackle, and boom, you've got Penning and Werfs at OT, you've got Jensen at center, and then you've got Shaq Mason and Donovan Smith as guards. Offensive lines looking fine, looking fine. So that's what I'm going with, but. Another option would be Kenyon Green, and then you just keep Donovan Smith at tackle and plug Kenyon Green in as left guard if you need to do that. Other options would be secondary. I think Roger McCreary, I don't know why, he just seems like a buck to me. Like, I I don't know why. It's hard to explain it, but I would not be surprised if McCreary's wearing a Bucks jersey. Then at 28, we've got the Packers' second pick. I have him taking somebody who's a pretty good value here. And they're going to probably look for wide receiver later in the draft. I have them taking linebacker Devin Lloyd. Then the Chiefs have 29 and 30. Picks 29 and 30. I have them at 29 taking cornerback Kyrie Lamb. The Chiefs need a cornerback and a wide receiver, obviously. So they're going to double tap that at wide receiver for them at 30. I have them taking Christian Watson. They hope to make something out of this freak athlete. I do think Jahan Dotson or Jahan Dotson would be a very good wide receiver for the Chiefs. I really like that fit, but since he's gone, that's why I'm going to go with Christian Watson. They're going to take the athletic freak, see what they can do with him. Then at 31, this is going to be an interesting one. I actually really like this, and I would love this to happen. Absolutely love it. I have the Bengals taking the position that they've already hammered. I have the Bengals taking interior offensive lineman Kenyon Green. Brandon, you're crazy. They already added three offensive linemen. They added Lyle Collins and... Alex Kappa and Ted Karras, like, what are you talking about? Brain, you're all over the place. Hold up, hold up, hold up. Wait a minute. Let's talk about this. Because if the Bengals do this, they might pull off the single greatest turnaround in NFL history at a position that fields multiple players from one year to the next. They had one of the worst offensive lines last year. They could possibly have one of the top three offensive lines if they did this. Now, it would take time. It wouldn't be that good from the start. Offensive line, chemistry is very important, and they need to gel with each other. But after the halfway point in the season, and they hit that that stride, 
they could become one of the best offensive lines in the league if this happens. Now, they're already going to be a, a significantly better offensive line than last year, but I would say they're probably in like that 10 to like 10 to 12 range right now. If you add Kenyon Green, oh boy. Oh man. That offense, if you give a picture perfect pocket, picture perfect pocket, try saying that three times fast, picture perfect pocket for feisty Joe Shiesty with Chase Higgins and Boyd, along with Mixon in the backfield, who can also come out as a wide receiver, that could be the NFL's best offense next year. You can never have enough offensive linemen. And I think Kenyon Green would start. He would probably start at left guard for them. And if not, then he's going to be the sixth man on the offensive line that comes in and rotates and goes all around. So I actually love it. And then Bengals don't have to worry about the offensive line anymore. Boom. Set it and forget it, baby. Now, lastly, at 32, I don't really like this one, but uh, I have trouble coming up with like a specific trade. So I'll say this. I think the player that gets picked at 32 will be a quarterback. Whether it's the Lions, who currently have the 32nd pick, or they trade out and let somebody else grab a quarterback at 32. Because there are some teams that might trade up to 32 into the first round so they can get that 50-year option for the quarterback. So the Lions, they could go, if they stay, they could go Matt Corral or Sam Howell. But... To my knowledge, they have not met with either of them, and it's hard for me to picture, especially with a quarterback, you just taking him without having an interview with them. They have had an interview with Lewis Sign, or Kine. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. And they do need a safety. So they doubled down on defense. They got Aiden Hutchinson at two in my mock, and then at safety, they get Lewis Sign. So don't be surprised if quarterback goes at 32, whether it's Detroit or somebody else. But because I cannot, it's hard for me to construct a trade and who, I don't know who wants who. I, for some reason, I keep picturing Matt Corral in a Falcons uniform. So maybe the Falcons come up and try to grab Matt Corral here at 32. But, and I think that would be like an interesting fit because, you know, you've got the legs like Mariota, but a a much better arm and much better health and stuff like that. So even though Corral is coming off injury. Still, like, I think he'll be healthier in the NFL than than Mariota was. But anyways, that's the mock draft. We're hoping for eight player team matches. I'm feeling pretty good. I'm feeling pretty good about this. But we'll see what ends up happening. Very excited. I hope you guys are too. And obviously, after the NFL draft, we will be talking fantasy. Fantasy football and the fallout from the draft. And how we're going to be ranking everybody. But thank you guys for tuning in. Hope you enjoy your day. Hope you enjoy the draft. And till next time, peace.